person closest to you is not your spouse and tell them about the biggest temptation that you've had in the last two days. And I'm quite surprised because there's actually a few people doing it. <laughs> Whoa. Now, I do wonder if the people that did it actually told their biggest temptation or whether they, they tidied it up a little bit. I, I heard a sermon of a guy who was saying they did something like this in a Bible college class and the lecturer said, right, let's talk about our sins. What do you guys struggle with? And, and the person said, wow. One of the students started and said, yeah, you know what? Oh, this, is, this is difficult to admit. But, you know, when I wake up in the morning, oh, when I wake up in the morning, oh, when I wake up in the morning, I don't feel like reading my Bible, so I watch TV instead. Oh. And that's the sort of thing. The whole class went around saying things like that, and the guy is sitting at the back, the guy I, I was listening to a sermon, and he, he said, it's really interesting, I was sitting in the back of the classroom, I wasn't going to say anything. But isn't it amazing that none of us struggled with, the, with lust or pornography or anything like that? Here's a bunch of blokes now. Our biggest problem in the world is that I don't want to read my Bible when I wake up in the morning. How sad. It is sad that you don't want to read the Bible in the morning, but for goodness sake, that's about the tidiest temptation that you can think of. Oh, I don't know. TV, maybe TV is a huge temptation for you. If that's the case... Fine. But it's a socially acceptable temptation, isn't it? Rich Mullins, a Christian songwriter, uh, apparently once when he was giving a Christian concert, admitted to the concert that he had a problem with pornography. And there was one time after that he spoke to people and they said, you, you just need to have someone with you to, to encourage you and keep you accountable. And, and he was in Amsterdam one time. And he had a friend with him. Now, Amsterdam's a lovely place, is it, Arnold? Lovely place? Depends what you're looking for. He was near the red light district. And he tells the story of, um, he had his friend with him. This is a quote from Rich Mullins. I thought, maybe it would be fun to just take a walk and be tempted. And so I'll just wait for my friend to start snoring because then it's safe for me to sneak out. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited till 5 a.m. in the morning, and the friend didn't start snoring. And as he waited, he, he wrote some words to a song, um, which he later recorded. Uh, uh, just listen to this. Surrender doesn't come natural to me. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than to take what you give that I need. And I've beat my head against so many walls, now I'm falling down, I'm falling on my knees. A little bit later, so hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You've been my king of glory. Won't you bring, be my prince of peace? And um, that's known, uh, apparently, in some circles. It's not an official title, but it's known as a prayer for porn addicts. But, but I think it actually goes as a prayer for all who are tempted. Hold me, Jesus. I'm shaking like a leaf. You've been my king of glory. Won't you be my peace? We are all prone to temptation. You know what tempts you, don't you? Maybe you don't. But most of the time you know what tempts you. And <coughs> I'm willing to bet that you've got at least one or two, maybe a dozen, temptations that you are ashamed of.
that you wouldn't turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, I'm tempted with this. If you read the newsletter message on the message, it says we've all got these temptations that we, we think if anyone else knew what we were tempted by, they would be horrified and shocked because nobody is as bad as we are. Amen? The thing is, that's a lie. We're actually a pretty unoriginal bunch, us humans. We're pretty much the same. Our temptations are common. They're a little bit of unique, but all of us have this little thing inside of us that makes us want to do something that we know is wrong or that we know is wrong for us. We all have it, don't we? Ever since Adam and Eve decided to go into catering for themselves and had a bite of forbidden fruit, we've had this thing that just says, I want to do what I want to do, even if, even if I, I know that it's wrong, I want to do it, because after all, I'm, I'm in charge. And we're tempted to do things because those things give us a payoff. Let's not beat around the bush. Temptation has a good side. Temptation has benefits. If temptation had no good side, if it had no benefits, we wouldn't have any issue. By the way, we're talking about the verse on temptation in the Lord's Prayer, in case I didn't mention that. If temptation had no payoff, it would have no pull on us. Oh, I'm really tempted to have a slice of cake. I wouldn't be saying that if if the cake had dog poo in it. Yuck. That's not tempting. That's disgusting. No, I want a slice of cake because it's delicious and chocolatey goodness. If we're tempted to lust, it's because it feels good. If we're tempted to gossip, it's because it gives us a a sense of power and of social credibility. If we're we're tempted to be vindictive, it's because it gives us a sense of, ha, I'm getting my own back. It, It feels nice to punish someone who's been nasty to you. Let's be honest with ourselves. Our temptations are temptations to us because they offer us something that seems good. And quite often, what temptations offer come from something that's good. C.S. Lewis famously said that the devil is unable to make anything good. He can only take what is good and twist it to evil. And the problem with temptations is that there's always a catch. They always fail to deliver. A, A drug addict takes drugs because they want the high And they know it's the wrong thing to do, but they take it because they want to feel good and eventually it destroys them. People drink because it makes them feel more relaxed and and, and less stressed and, and then the drink takes hold of them. People smoke because, you know, life's stressful and there's just too much going on and I just, I just, calms my nerves. And it does. And then it gives you lung cancer or kills you. Back in July this year in Minnesota in the United States, uh, a bunch of teenagers went into a, uh, kind of like a, I think a grocery store or a bakery kind of a thing, 
And they were obviously hungry and they were obviously without any money, so they stole the cake. And they grabbed a, it must have been a delicious looking cake. They ran out of the store with it. They, they jumped in a car. person in the store saw the car, uh, told the police. The police a little while later saw the car, stopped the car, caught the kids, took them back, took the cake back to the store. The store manager said, no, no, it's okay. We're not going to press charges. They took the best cake there was in the store. One of those display cakes made of cardboard. <laughs> and we looked at them and go, you idiots. What's wrong with you? That's temptation. It looks fantastic and we grab at it, but we get arrested and it turns out to be cardboard. The last thing Jesus teaches us to pray as he, as he teaches the Lord's Prayer here on the Sermon on the Mount is, is to do with temptation. Uh, but we do have to understand that, that when he uses the word temptation, the word can have a few different flavors. It, it can mean either temptation as in a negative thing or it can mean testing. Uh, and the Bible translates it differently at different times. In fact, uh, James chapter 1 verse 12, the New Living Translation says, meh. We'll just translate the one word with tempting and testing. So we've got to look and see that there's actually a difference in English uh, and a difference in meaning here, I think, between tempting and testing. If someone is tempting you, they want you to let go of your integrity and fall. If I know that you are on a diet and I take you in a car with me and I drive slowly past the ice cream stand and I go, wow, oh, couldn't you go a chocolate chip ice cream cone with, oh, with a flake in the middle? Why don't we walk a little bit closer? Just, you know, take a bit on the, oh, have a taster. Oh, isn't that good? I'm going to have one. Look at all those people having, oh, that's good, isn't it? That's tempting. Unless you don't like ice cream, in which case that might be disgusting to you. A tempter wants us to let go of our integrity and fall and fail. But someone who tests us wants us to prove our integrity and stand. You get in the car with me, we drive past the ice cream stand. Not, I'm not taking you there to say, hey, do you want to try it? We're just driving past. Maybe I especially choose the route and I drive past and you look at the ice cream stand and you go, oh, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, diet. And you pass the test. Someone who tests us wants us to prove our integrity. And Jesus says here that we are to ask our Father who loves us more than anything else not to lead us into temptation. And, and that seems strange. Don't lead us into temptation. Uh, uh, Brian Wilkerson, a, a great pastor, says, it seems a little bit like asking a, a wilderness trail guide, taking you through the forest, and saying to them, please, don't lead me off the edge of a cliff. A good guide's not going to lead you off the edge of the cliff, is he? Why, do, why does Jesus say, Father, do not lead us into temptation? 
And what do we do? James chapter 113. Can we throw that up there, Wayne? James chapter 113, which says, um, um, oh. Oh, anyway, I've typed the wrong verse up there. Sorry. James chapter 1 verse 13, which says, God doesn't tempt or test any, God doesn't tempt anyone to do evil. God isn't tempted, and God doesn't tempt. That's just not who God is. But God does test us. Uh, if we've got 1 Peter 1 7 there, Wayne. God says that he tests us to prove our faith. Let me read this for you guys. Elevator music. One Peter chapter one verse seven. These trials or these tests will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. God God gives us tests. God wants us to prove our faith. It's, it's not like God says, I'm going I'm to take you to the ice cream stand and I'm going to push you until you give in. God wants us to show that we are his. God doesn't want us to fall. God doesn't want us to fail. God wants us to thrive. His plans, we saw a few weeks back as we looked at Romans chapter 8, his plans for us is that we would share his glory. His plans that his purpose from before the creation of the world was that you and I share the glory of God. Now, for God to achieve those plans, he's not going to do it by saying, let me see if I can get them to stumble and fall. Won't that be fun? No, that's not God. God doesn't tempt anyone. God is not ever tempted. Times of testing help to mold and and develop our spiritual and moral character. James uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 2 and 3 says to us that, uh, oh, sorry, it's cold and my fingers are not working. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be made, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The testing of our faith builds perseverance. If you want big muscles, you need to go to the gym. Otherwise, you end up like me. If you want to build perseverance in your life, you need temptation. Or rather, you need testing. You need testing. You need you need to grow in that way. And you see the difficult there? I said you need tempting, but actually, no, you don't. You, you don't need tempting. Quite frankly, I'd be happy with no tempting. We need testing. And here's the rub. When God tests us, Satan says, wow, what a great opportunity to do some tempting. 
There is an adversary, there is an evil one whose one desire in life is to give the finger to God and so his one desire in life is to see you and I stumble and fall because then we will not share in the glory of God and to God. He wants nothing more than to see us fail. And so every time that God gives us an opportunity to test, to develop, to persevere, to to grow in godliness, Satan comes along and says, yeah, I'm going to use that opportunity and I'm going to tempt and I'm going to tempt and I'm going to tempt. You see, God's good as well because Satan, when he decides I'm going to do some tempting here, God says, okay, let's see if you pass this test. God can use Satan's temptations to grow us. Praise God for temptations. Do I have an amen? I wish not. I'd be much happier without temptation. I don't know about you. Much happier without temptation. Good news, there will be a day when there will be no temptation. So, let's persevere now. Let's not give up. There's nothing worse than running a marathon and stopping around the corner from the finish line. So why do we say, why does Jesus say uh, that we should ask our Father, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil? Why, why do we ask God to not lead us into testing or temptation? Quite frankly, because you and I are pathetic weaklings. God bless you, have a wonderful week. But we are, aren't we? We're pathetic weaklings. The reason temptations are temptations is because they offer uh, something that at least a part of us wants. We've already said this, if something stops being attractive to us, it would not be a temptation. And the problem is, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, have we got that one up there? I say, says Paul to the Galatians, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature wants to do. You see, your sinful nature wants to do things which are evil, which is exactly the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Good news, though, is that you've got the Holy Spirit in you. He gives you desires, which are the exact opposite of what the sinful nature in you wants to do. But, says Paul, these two forces that live in you are constantly bashing each other up, fighting each other. And so you're not actually, you feel like you're not free to do what you, what you want to do. We, as Christians, have a sinful nature. The reason I think Jesus says to pray, Father, lead us, not into temptation, but save us from the evil one, is because we are prone to stumble and fall flat on the floor. There's a beautiful old hymn that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. I don't know, we don't sing many choruses and songs these days which speak about how pathetically broken we are, do we? It's not exactly vibrant and encouraging and yay, aren't we fantastic? Don't get me wrong. Yay, we're fantastic because God has done something fantastic. But that's what we're asking him to do. In, in, In essence, what we're saying is, Father, don't take me where I can't stand. I, I know I can't swim. I can barely tread water here, God, don't let me so be, be, be taken to a place where I'm so enticed that I let go of you. 
I'm sorry, but this side of eternity, there will be temptation until the day you die. Or Jesus comes back. But here's some good news. God became man. And he grew up. And he lived a perfect human life. Away in a manger. No crib, uh, a crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes. But the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. What twaddle. Yes, sure, baby might not cry, but you put a big cow next to a newborn, see what happens. We've got this idea that Jesus became human, but, but he can't have been as human as we, we are. Twaddle. Jesus was fully God and fully man, and as fully man, he was fully tempted, just as we are tempted today. He gets what it's like to have what he wants scream to be more important than what God wants. The temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, the very start of his ministry, Luke chapter 4. Turn these stones into bread. And I don't really feel like bread. No! You shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, says Jesus. It wasn't that he was hung- wasn't. It wasn't that he wasn't hungry. It's what that. It, it's that he didn't give in to his temptation. It's good news because, believe it or not, being tempted is not a sin. Can you say that after me? Let's all say that together. Being tempted is not a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. Do you believe that? Let's try it again. Let's say it together. Being tempted is not a sin. It's giving into it, that's the sin, that's exactly. Being tempted is not a sin. Being tempted is called being human this side of eternity. Because if it's a sin, then Jesus is in trouble, and we're in trouble because he would have died sinned. But he didn't die in sin because he never gave in to temptation, but he knows what it's like. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We have a high priest who was tempted in every way just like we are. He woke up in the morning and didn't want to read his Bible, but watch TV. Well, bad example because, you know, no TV back then. But Jesus was tempted to snap at people who didn't get it. I'm sure he was tempted to gossip. He knew some goss about people. Jesus would have been tempted to lust. Jesus would have been tempted to have more in his life. He would have been tempted to be greedy. He was tempted to give up on God's plan and live for his own gratification now. He was tempted to abandon the path to the cross, to refuse the cup of God's anger against our sin. And in all these things, he said, not what I want, but what you want, God. 
But don't let's talk any nonsense about Jesus not understanding. I, I started out this morning and I said, I said, turn to your neighbor and tell them like the biggest temptation you struggled with in the last two days. And I'm willing to bet you didn't. If you did, well done. That's fantastic. But sometimes we think we can't even tell God because, well, God would be shocked. I'm sorry, God's not shocked. God knew about it before you did it, before you attempted to do it. Jesus knows what it's like. He understands. And so when we say, Father, lead us not into temptation, when we say, God, I'm, I'm a weakling. I, I, I need help treading water here, God. I need my water wings on. I can't, I can't cope. God says, I know. I know what it's like. It's tough, isn't it? There's a part of you that's pulling you away from me, and, and I get it. Thank you so much for coming to me and saying, I need your help, Dad. I need your help, Dad. Yeah. Trust him. That's right. Keep your eye on Jesus. And that, that's what Jesus says. Say, Father, help me. See, nobody's above falling. None of us can survive through this life of temptation alone. Sin is like a snake that's had its head chopped off in our lives. It's dead, it just doesn't know it, and it's still striking. But that's temptation in us. In order to stand as people of integrity, we need the power of God in us. We need to become so sure of God's love for us that, that, that temptation is shown to be disgusting. My grandfather died of emphysema. I have a weak stomach. I don't like the pictures on the cigarette ads. I, I, I look at that and I go, that looks horrible. Most importantly, I'm not in the mood for dying a long, slow, painful death. I'm not going to take up smoking. But what we really need to survive temptation is to be sure of God's love for us. Absolutely. Jesus. That's right. Understanding our own identity is important, but here's the problem. Our identity is flawed. What we need to understand is God's identity and Christ in us. All that Jesus is saying is, go to our dad and say, God, I need your help. The evil one is too strong for me. I, I need you to rescue me. I need you to deliver me from the evil one. And, and I don't know where your temptations are. I don't know what your particular version of, of temptation is. But, but I do know this, that sometimes our temptations can come out of left field. I can speak from personal experience, uh, things that, that, that tempt me now that 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, I would have said, there's no way I would ever be tempted by that. It sometimes comes out of left field. Peter, my mate Peter, never thought that he would deny Jesus, but 
on the night he was betrayed, he three times denied Jesus. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he says, talking about temptation, if you think you're standing strong, be very careful because you might be on the edge. You might be about to fall. Be careful lest you fall. But he goes on in verse 13 to say the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We're not that original. Uh, And God is faithful. He'll not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, don't take that wrong. It's not saying that when you're tempted, you say, God, help. And God says, right, temptation gone. God will show you a way out so that you can endure, some translations, so that you can endure under it. Just, if God helps you out of one temptation, doesn't mean you're never going to struggle with that again. It gives you a chance to build perseverance. It means that God gives us the power to say no to temptation and yes to him, and it's that easy no, but we have to choose to do it. And I speak as an expert in that. I, I never say yes to temptation. I always say yes to God. Amen. Aren't you glad you got such a, a holy pastor? What drivel. <laughs> but if we ask God, God helps us. God doesn't do it for us. Always. But God says, if you're serious about this, I'm going to help you. Have you ever watched somebody like pushing weights, like they lie on the floor and they've got the weights above them and they push it up like that? Have you ever seen that? Usually, unless you're an idiot or super strong, you have a bloke above you holding on to the weights so that when you realize that actually, no, you can't bench press 400 kilograms, Uh, that person above you just holds it up like that. By the way, that person holding it up, that person's got to be strong. Because if they let go, they break your neck. God's that person. God says, I still want to test you. I still want to build your your perseverance. I still want to bring you to perfection, but I'm here. This doesn't have to kill you. Say yes. Say yes to me. The evil one wants to drag us away from God and God can use even that to grow us. To give us a choice. Who are we going to follow? Let's not, let's not just close our eyes against our temptations. We need to be honest. Our, our choices matter. And we can kid ourselves that, we give, that we're not giving in to temptation when we actually are. And there are shades of grey. Black and white are very rarely next to each other in this world. It's a slow fade from white to black. Small giving in to temptation. And at any point, we can turn to God and say, God, I'm down the slippery slope. Would you help? And God says, yes, let's let's work on this. 
And when, when we give in to temptation, which you never do, You know, it's quite interesting that Jesus speaks about lead us not into temptation immediately after forgive us our sins. Both of those things. Forgive us, God, we've messed up. Help us not to do it again. By the way, this isn't a prayer we pray once a year. This is a prayer we pray as often as we need it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He forgives us. He says, okay, let's stand up. Let's move on. This morning I asked you to tell someone about your temptations. I can tell you from my own experience that when we try and hold our temptations to ourselves, let me put it this way. You've just boiled a potato And you take it out of the pot, it's dripping with hot boiling water and you hold it in your hand. And you close your hand around that and you hold it tight and you don't let anyone see that potato. You're going to get burns on your skin. If we hold on to our temptations and never admit them to God, never admit them to ourselves, never admit them to someone else, they don't get weaker, they get stronger. First step, speak to God about it. He's our Father. He loves us. He will help us. But here's another, here's another fact there. God gave us each other. God gave us each other. You're not as original as you think. If you need to talk about something, find someone to talk about. If, if, if you can talk to someone here, fantastic. If you need to find someone else to talk to, that's fine. I can recommend people if you want to talk to someone. But, but let me tell you something. If we hold it to ourselves, it will eat us up. Jesus, when he says... To pray this way, he's saying, bring it into the open. And by the way, there's one word in there that that I think is really important. This is my last point. It's the word us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I don't have to know what your temptation is. I happen to know that Eric is a person who is horribly tempted in certain ways. And I happen to know that Arnold gets tempted. Conrad, I know he gets tempted. Peter gets tempted. Anna Marie gets tempted. Joe gets tempted. Evelyn gets tempted. Myra gets tempted. All of us get tempted. For goodness sake, let's pray for each other. I'm not saying go and find out each other's temptations so that you can pray in detail. I'm saying God knows about that. You, you just say, God... I know in my own life I struggle to stand. And I look at my brothers and sisters and they look like they've got it all together, but I wonder if they're like that duck on the surface of the water and underneath their feet are going 19 miles to the dozen. God, would you help them? Because they need it. And you know what God says? Yeah, they do. 
and I'm a good dad. By the way, where do you think the water came in that they're floating on? God's good, and he will help us. Let's pray. God, we are, we're weak, we're pathetic, we're, we're small, and yet we're loved, and we are beautiful, and we are honored by you. You have set before us your glory. You want us to be with you and to enjoy you forever. God, that is, that is the biggest prize. God, that's the biggest thing. And, and yet we get so distracted, God, with cardboard cake. We get so distracted with things that seem like they're going to give us life and then they don't. And, and we're tempted, God. Lead us not into such testing, God, that we cannot survive. And God, we look at our own lives, we know our own areas where we struggle, where, where, we, where we feel the pull to go in places and directions that we know lead us away from you. And God, we know that our brothers and sisters are actually just like us. So God, would you keep us with our feet on the ground? Hold our hands. Hold Hold the weight, God, because if we do it all ourselves, we're going to collapse. God, I pray for each and every person that is in this place today that has you in their life. Help them, please. And help us to remember, God, that, that being tempted isn't a sin. And when we fall to temptation, God, help us to remember that, that you will forgive us. And to let it go and to move on. Because you've given us freedom. It's okay to, to act like we've been set free because we have. And God, for those who are in this place, desperately trying with their own strength to be a good person, to resist the temptations that they feel. Show them that they can't do it. Show them that they can't do it. Lord, this morning if we come to you and we say we can't do it, would you be our king? Would you be the God of our lives, the rescuer, the one who says, even though you are weak, I am strong. Even though you are sinful, I am good. Even though you are poor, I am rich. Jesus, we come as people who don't deserve life but have been given it by trusting you. And we say thank you. Amen. Amen.